Alright, so the first podcast with Ryan Hardy was a real hit. Everyone loved it. And the punters want more. I'm just driving very slowly at Williamtown Airport en route to pick up the man himself to take him to Foster Tunkari for a coaching clinic because he's the man. And Coach Hardballs is the guy that every bodyboarder wants to get the tips from. So let's find him. Let's find him. I think I've spotted him. He's sitting patiently here on the arrivals. He's got a large board bag. Don't know where it's going to fit, but we'll do our best. What's this guy doing? What's he doing, champ? There he is. We've made contact. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so full of crap. So yeah, we just got to figure out a way to stack it all in. What you got there? Just lay it straight across the record. I'd only my board is that? Straight shallow, yeah. I saw Garth. Oh, it's Garth here? Yep. Oh, are you kidding me? He's kind of sick. That's right, that's right. Oh, cool. Passing the side. We're good to go. Yeah, bud. You. Oh, you're a legend. Get you down here. No worries. Okay, let's do this. No worries. So what, Garth has already left? or? Yeah, he left about 10 minutes ago. Oh, okay, damn. I'm going to try and get a podcast done with him. Oh, okay. Hey, yep. You got everything you need? Yep. Yeah, that'd be classic, wouldn't it? I'll just get some water. Yeah, mate. Um, um, I didn't tell you this, but we're doing another podcast. Oh, yeah. Right now. <laughs> the response was too great to the first oh. one, so I figured if I'm going to... If we're going to drive for an hour or so with hardballs back to Foster, we've got to have a little <laughs> All right, let's do it. Yeah, but um, so what, you were just talking to Garth. We're talking about Garth McGregor here. He just, um, he's just... Newcastle well, his, legend. The new, well, I just actually interviewed another Newcastle legend, Johnny Crookshank. Oh, I just yeah. come from oh, a yeah. Crookshank interview. Yep. It was a really good time. You are on fire today, aren't you? Mate, don't stop. <laughs> don't stop. Oh, shit. Mm. Yeah. But um, Garth is high on the list for me, as I was just saying. Um, and what he's king, he's down here because he just had another bub. Yeah, yep. He just had okay. his um, little Third? girl to his his uh, new wife, yeah. second wife. Sweet. And just a couple of complications. So there. Yeah, uh, I heard a bit yeah. of water on the lungs or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so right. yeah, sent, I sent my best wishes with Garth off to a hospital. Oh, okay, like, cool. King and the family. Oh, G-Mac. Good. Yeah. Imagine getting like. Like best wishes delivered by GMAC to someone else. Like imagine <laughs> yeah. like a Christmas card or something a, like that as well. Merry Christmas. He's got a very big cuddly hug on him. <laughs> exactly. It's like a, yeah, exactly. He'd be good vibes in the hospital. Yeah. Speaking of him, because like I mean he is a bit of a character in the Australian scene. You've had it. You had a few trips with him back in the good old days, didn't you? Yeah, 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 plenty. Yeah. Um, Tahiti. Um, 
trips and comp trips. Yeah. There's definitely, we went to Tahiti a few times together. A few um, strike missions with yeah, Stu's, yep, I assume. Yeah, a few strike missions with Ian Stewart filming the old Safidem videos. Yeah, sick, sick. Yeah, yeah. That was, was that, um, but that wasn't the trip that, the big one where you kind of got your big, your big, like, um, waves at you. Safidem no, 3. No. This is like Safidem yep. 2, and there was like, a few other reef passes were maybe involved. Yeah. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah, yeah. It was, we actually had the chance um, one year where it was, it was I, I'm pretty sure it was the first session where travelling bodyboards had caught, had scored it massive and slabbing. Uh -huh. And it was, and Toby and Tamagoo were the only ones out. So it was this legendary, undocumented uh -huh. session. Right. And it was, this, yeah, it was a giant swell. And we were actually on the road to Chopes and, um, Oh, just by fate, freak accident, this local lady that was riding on the side of the road just right. like pulled out in front of us and oh, we locked right. up and hit her and, and had to go to hospital and uh, yeah, because we, we thought I, and then she was kind of passing out and, and oh, rolling around on the ground so we didn't know how badly hurt she was. Yeah, right. So, and so yeah, yeah, we spent, in hospital <laughs> for the day. the afternoon in Kitty. hospital wow. uh, while Tobes and Tamaga were rushing like 10 to 12 foot bombs. Ooh, that must have been amazing. Yeah, that's another story. Like, yeah, <laughs> that is. I'll have to get that one Tamiga. from Toby or Tamiga. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm pretty sure this was um, 98. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that was the first session where travelling bodyboarders, I don't know if even if local bodyboarders had surfed it like proper big slamming chokes mm. at that stage. Like the real gnarly chokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did the, was the lady okay that got yeah, hit? Yeah, she just had a big black eye, a oh, road rash down her face, geez. a bit of concussion. Tough times. Yeah, and um, but it, it, it all ended up alright. And we got we actually surfed chops the next morning, but it was only like six to eight foot. Right. And oh, pretty nice. Only. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was um, it was kind of yeah that trip. Mm. I think uh, Ben Holland had been there with Ian Stewart maybe the year before and scored it pretty big. Had and a Ian, bit of a Ian look, knew yeah. that me and Garth and Adam Keegan that. Did the trip with him? Yeah. Where he knew we were all up for it. Yeah, at sure. That stage, but fate thought otherwise. Yeah, and uh, yeah, didn't make it to the end of the road that day. Not till so it wasn't until the next year in '99. Yeah, um, that mean that I scored it really big with, with Ben Stewart, Holland. Ben Holland. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Did, did um, I mean, let's linger on Stu's for a bit because I mean, I I really want to get an interview with him and um, yeah, he's kind of a bit hard to pin down, but um. For, for, for a real long period there, he was a bit of a, um, almost like a gladiator coach. Yeah, yeah. You know, he like, was, yeah, he, he was, was he yeah. was that, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was just, you know, from that era where it was, like, no pussy footing around. Exactly. It was like, all right, these young kids are up for it, I'm going to yell at, yell at them to, <laughs> <laughs> to charge these waves. You were pretty nice with pussy footing. Like, that's the nicest way you <laughs> yeah, can say well, how well, he used to talk well, to us. What would you say? Oh, no, no, he was full on. Like, he was full, full on. But, like, I think it's what you needed if you were going to go and surf those waves. Like, I don't think it was bad to have a guy yelling and intimidating you a little bit to, you know, put the pressure on and just say, listen, you know, are you for real or not? Do you really we're want we're this not or you don't? Exactly, <laughs> that was what he used to say. Not even have a fucking tea party, mate. Yeah, yeah so it's like, uh, it's just an interesting character to... He was so freaking intense, and I doubt he's changed. Well, hopefully I'll get to catch up with him and find out if he's mellowed out a bit. But, like, yeah, there was some pretty intense moments. So, 
taking it taking it back to that Tahiti session where you finally kind of scored it big with Ben Holland. Yeah. What was Stu's like in that session? Was he screaming, yelling, um, carrying on? What was the deal? He, 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 he was he was very focused. I remember because uh, there was no one there. It was literally me and Ben in the lineup um, for m- most of the morning. Um, funny sto- story that Kenny and that's what I was about to bring up. There. I was about to bring up. <laughs> we were actually yeah. there, but it was a little bit messy in the morning. So and you know, so far out from the land to see that they was, kind of figured it wasn't that good. Oh, yeah, but it was actually just a little bit lumpy, but pumping and yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so anyway, it's just me and Ben out there, and just, you know, once once you're out in the ocean and it's big and wild and raw, that really like neutralizes everyone. Everyone becomes focused and yeah. looks out for each other. And, totally, you know, you're, totally. There to survive, but also have a good time. But it's not like, you know, there was no like, okay, we're not here to have fun at tea party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like cool. It's like, all right, we're here. We're here. Like, this is what he he brought in and taken me to Tahiti. That was the third year I'd gone with him. Yeah. So you know, we'd been like basically in training to, to score chokes, ride chokes, and for him to shoot chokes. And yeah. we'd seen this swell coming on the forecast, so it was like, all right, we're here gladiator zone yeah um, I was focused he was focused Ben was you know the kind of the he, he was familiar with big chopes and yeah. so for me he was a bit of a like a marker on the lineup and yeah and, and almost like a confidant like having someone that was knew what was going on but uh, but it felt like I, I sort of wanted it more that day like yeah. I'd uh, you know grown up with heavy waves and marks I knew that that was where I was at yeah and I'd been watching chokes for a few years since the Gotcha um, surfing contest. That's the, the classic. Um, there's a Corey Lopez image, I think, as well from that. Yep. If it's the same thing, the O'Neill ad, and it's just like this. That one, West that's keg. another one. But oh, that's, is that another that's one? West, yeah, West the full West Pole. Yeah. I just remember and, um, being mesmerised by that, going like, oh, oh yeah, like yeah. is that really what this is? Like, yeah, but it's sunny and West, and it just looks like a yeah. monster. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, so it's just like game on that day. Like we were still focused, and so you know, Stu's wasn't really that um, you know out there as far as vocal vocally going nuts as he usually would he was just yeah. focused and making sh- like I remember after one of my last waves which was a really big free fall and I landed nice but just got chewed up by the barrel Yeah. and I got pretty held down for a pretty long time and I came up and went to the boat and he was, and he was like oh yeah you're right you, you okay and I was like yep yeah, yeah, I think so oh, actually now my rails come off and my, my inside rail of my board had just had come actually off actually ripped off and I caught one more shoulder after that because I was like oh, I don't know about this and yeah. like the rail was just catching like the raw foam yeah and the sharp edges was catching so bad really on the water that um and then a few people started coming out by that stage and I'd kind of already had yeah, a good had hour hour and a half and we'd yeah. really gone hard at it so I, I, I sort of just retired on the with the excuse that my rail wasn't intact. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair, Fair enough. enough. But um, yeah, that was that was a. I think there's a thing about Stu's and in my experience with him, which was I had quite a few trips with him and a few to Tahiti, a few over WA, and and then hanging out on the Central Coast. And he he's an intense dude. I can imagine when he asked you if you're okay, it would have been with that intense like, "Are you okay, mate?" You know, yeah, like yeah, like. Like a like a deep concern, yeah. like to match his deep aggression, you know, like yeah, like yeah, the yeah, deep yeah. Um, enthusiasm as well that he always had. So yeah. no, I can just totally imagine that moment. Like he what he did care, but I guess he wanted to always push people as far as their limits could take them, and 
but he was ready to kind of act and to support. And I, I think there's that, one of the memories from one of our trips, I think as we went to Sumatra that time for the Secret Sumatra stuff and um, yeah. before it was set up like that. And remember that massive left that we surfed? Like we that took line. a little boat out to that yeah. island or something and it was yeah. just like, none of us were really thinking that's what we're gonna do on this trip, like, <laughs> and I think, like, it was big, right? I mean, my oh, memory yeah. says it was like six to ten feet or something like that. Like, it was, yeah. it was solid. And it was kind of like a Chopu-style wave. Like, I remember seeing the one that Fergo got, and I was like, oh my god, what is going on here? And I mean, he shoes once again, and I think Toby was even taking photos yeah, that day as well. Yeah. Like, they were hooting and hollering, but like, I think everybody realised pretty quickly that day too, because you got pretty sliced up. Yeah. On what on what your one wave, right? You got I, I had a couple but oh, that you was couple. my last one because right. I just caught inside and flogged after that. You got caught inside, yeah. yeah. And like I remember I only got one and I was just like just racing this barrel that was just never ending and scary as hell and just getting pressed into the reef and just like going, oh, I'm not playing this game today, <laughs> yeah. like I'm out. Did you just get one and you were out? Just got one and done, yeah, yeah. yeah. One and done. I think I think you got Dude, a bigger I, one and Fergo got the real bomb. Yeah, that was the first wave that was That caught, was the first sure. wave, wasn't it? And he got it? away with it, so it was yeah. kind of like, oh, this wave's sick. Everyone's like, frothing, yeah, the bombs, exactly. Make the bombs, get out without any trouble. Exactly. And then next minute, I'm nose, nose diving into the reef trying to duck dive <laughs> under 10, 8 to 10 closeouts. Exactly, yeah. Think, what the hell, I'm about to dive. I actually <laughs> think I was on the wave that you were trying to duck dive, because yeah. I popped up and you were there, because I got pressed through, and I remember really clearly, my wipeout was pretty intense, because I went... Like I kind of got rolled like over the falls inside the barrel and then I ended up kind of bouncing once on water and then the second time kind of feet first and I remember my foot went deep like inside the coral like a little hole or like in between some coral heads and I could feel it brush either like my leg like my flipper kind of punched through and then came straight back out like so it's kind of like the thing like I felt like if the wave had pushed me forward it was like total broken leg you know like right. like that's just snapping in its spot but it kind of let me pop back out and then keep going and just what, get flogged I, I just remember the waves I was looking at it was just like big walled up things exactly such deep water exactly. so yeah I could imagine you were up getting flogged up. oh man it was it was yeah. crazy and then yeah you just sliced a bit I, I remember like being really rattled do you, do you remember me getting on the boat I, I do you like, were like really rattled and yeah. I think you were like like I think you said something like when your nose dived you just started to yell. Oh like, yeah yeah I did. Yeah. You just went ah! It's the only like real panic moment of my yeah. whole surfing life where Re- I was like, that moment you think? Yeah yeah yeah. Wow. Like, like I never had that s- something so hectic happen even when as a grom. Wow. Where I'm actually like without even thinking about it I'm just like screaming out. Yeah. Like, what I think it was like a fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. maybe it was like a bit of a panic cry to the boat to yeah. let his know I was there. So I honestly thought smashed. I did honestly think I could die right there because really? Because the first one, I was shocked. I was like, all right, bang, just nosedived in, into the reef and this uh, way, the lip's landing two metres in front of me and it's eight foot thick. And that one just obliterated me and somehow I'll go away with it. But then the next one, I could feel the reef draining out even more and this thing had back to it, like a flat back, fully foamy, thick, evil monster. Right. And that was one, as it approached, and I'm like, okay, I can't go anywhere here. And I'm pretty sure that's where I went, fuck. Uh, but it was a lot higher pitched. Yeah. <laughs> panic-stricken panic than that. 
and like yeah sideways duck dive just waiting for the truck to hit me and then it was just like okay what's going to happen here what'd you say you just got a roll roll uh, roll yeah roll, I, was, roll. I was just hitting the bottom like maybe four or five times oh. but kind of just going sideways and it it's was, eight foot it's all of yeah, eight feet yeah, that yeah, broke yeah, in front of you thick back oh. you know, like thick like it's kind of almost a double up I didn't realise that, yeah. but I didn't know that was a full-on, like, the scary, one of the scariest moments of your life yeah, right there. Yeah, I, never, no, no, I don't think sure. we all fully appreciate like it. Like, if, if I'd had kids at that stage, I definitely would have had uh, like images of my kids going through my mind. Oh, sure, Like, full-on, this could be the end. Like, wow. Who am I leaving behind? So, who am I leaving behind? Yeah. <laughs> who, did I, who was I meant to say goodbye so, to? So, yeah, I'm not that keen to get back out to that No, moment, neither, but. neither. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I, I remember we came in. And like even Kingy was just like, because this was on his pathway to the, I think it was on his pathway to the first world title. It was 05, so it might have been second then. Second, yeah, 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 yeah. must have been that. So he was just like, so he's on his way to his second. He's like, he was like, I didn't come here for this, like, because we're on our way to Sintra. Like we're going to Sintra next, right? We all stopped in Indo on the way to Portugal to do the Sintra comp, which is like a beach break that you know we. We thought we were just going to have small, casual Indo waves out like the little peak out the front, and then it turned out to be really hectic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, what a what a what a memory, huh? Like, so that's that's funny. I would have because I do remember one of the wipeouts you ha- you had before the Chopu comp in two thousand and three was pretty gnarly in the morning. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, that, you got kind of sliced yeah. up on the legs. Yeah, that was my worst wipeout, like on an actual wave. Uh huh. Yeah, okay, so that was your worst wipeout on an actual wave. Yeah. yeah. Right, because I thought that I did actually think that was up there as like, because that definitely nailed you that day. You kind of were out of sorts yeah. for that first day of competition. Oh, I was totally rattled. You were, weren't you? You was yeah. like, because it was only a one day comp, wasn't it? Yep. Um, Did we get it done that day? day? No, it was two days. Did we Remember do two the days? second day, Tamagur hurt his knee. Oh, yeah. And he got taken off an ambulance. That's right, that's right. The comp off. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so, but so for the two first rounds of that, because that was the, the Shark Island format at the time. Yeah. Yep. You were just kind of rattled. Like it was, it got you in the morning. Oh, yeah. Well, I was in so much pain. Like yeah. I, I felt like, you know, a WWF wrestler had grabbed me from the top of a telephone pole <laughs> and just thrown me at the cement. Oh, like, I, so what happened, I was racing a barrel, the real west one that yeah. runs in the close out, uh, and I was going as fast as what I felt I've ever gone, like, yeah. just trying to outrun this thing, couldn't outrun it. Right. So then I, I went to bail through, I reckon if it was a right I would have got through, because on my rights I'm so much more practiced at, at uh, getting out of the back. You know, throwing the board and just diving, Yeah. You know, my, my body's so much more trained to physically dive out of a heavy barrel, like at North Point, up to 10 foot, so yeah. Because it's a left, I'm not quite that um, practice. Like I reckon Stuart would have got through because he's um, got such practice doing yeah. that big higher. Yeah. But yeah, I went to dive through, didn't penetrate enough, slowly got sucked up and over, just enough time to think about, oh, okay, yeah, this could oh, be bad. Oh, but literally, like, I thought, okay, I'm gonna like hit water and go get pushed down for a little bit. But literally, like, just felt all the force, like the weightlessness, going down, down, and then just bang into the reef oh. like, before I even thought. I was gonna hit it, and it was like. So this was on the first bounce. Yeah, first bounce. That's just like, that's pretty gnarly. I reckon second I'm, bounce are most of my experiences. Like, it's been rare that I've had a first bounce yeah, in a yeah. wipeout where I'm hitting bottom on the first bounce. Yeah, it was scary. Yeah, it's just like I thought. Yeah, I thought if that was my head, I'd be dead for sure. Because I was yeah. just like, so I sort of luckily landed on my side. So my side of my hip and my ass yeah. and, and all my foot kind of hit the hardest. Yeah. And then I just got a little bit rolled on it, but that initial hit was just so hard. I was yeah. like, oh, I'm 
scared to look after this. Like, I thought this yeah. could really split me open bad. But yeah. yeah, just fortunately, it was just kind of uh, mostly bruising. So, I suppose yeah. it must have just been hard rock, not too sharp. Yeah. And, and but it really was, slowed you down, didn't it? It really yeah, just yeah, like. Yeah, I was just in pain. I was just about it. Like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't even move my leg here. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was a, it's a hero to zero moment because I, you know, the year before I'd won the two thousand skins. Yeah, exactly. Left on a high, like had the, the spin in the barrel. That was my last wave of the comp, and then the next I'm day back. I had a pumping free surf and ended it with a real confident, like big free fall on a west one. Yeah, yeah sure, sure enough. Next year, just overconfident. Here we go. I'll take off in his clothes out and make well, it. Well, I, I remember you taking off on it because I was out that morning, mm. you know, free surfing. And I do remember you taking the wave, and you know, it's one of those typical things from behind. Um, that wave looked really tame, like it looked, you know, like you don't see how gnarly the, the West Bowls are when you're sitting out the back and someone takes off, you kind of just go, all right, he's on the wave, all good. Mm. But like, yeah, when you when the big spit came out and then you didn't come out hooting and hollering, no one was cheering, it's like, ooh, yeah, what happened yeah. there? You know, it's, so. It like wasn't that big though. It's no, like, it wasn't a huge not, morning Maybe yet. not even eight foot, but exactly. it was just really west, yeah. strong swell and probably even worse so it was a little bit smaller because it was further in on the reef where it wrapped so I think that's the other bit people don't realise about Chopu and, and something that I learnt um, well it's certainly experienced really well um, on a trip earlier than that I think it might have been 2002 and I went over there on a strike mission with Stu's and uh, Matt Widar Ben Holland and Tyson Williams yeah. and we went over there and we were out there and it was the week or like just only days before the, the WCT at the time um, comp at Chopu so it was packed with every surfer you could think could be in a lineup. like yep. it was it was the dumbest time to be a bodyboarder out at any lineup ever but we were there to try and make the most of that swell and um, it was kind of that in between size so it was kind of like 6 to 8 feet and breaking closer in but then there was a moment, and like people may not realise, but Chopu breaks closer in on a separate bit of reef when it's smaller, and then it's whereas Fronton seems to kind of always break in the same yes. spot regardless. But yep. yeah, it um, and, and I remember so clearly that like um, we're all sitting out there, like every all these top pro surfers are there, and this massive wave oh. just like you know you paddle over the six footer and then you look up and the whole reef is like it's already breaking up the reef and you're just like people are just scrambling and I remember I think um, Widar was paddling with me I think and Tyson we didn't know where Tyson was in the lineup at the time but he was a bit deeper and what happened what happened was is, um, now he must have been a touch wider so we're paddling our brains out and you know when you when the fear and the adrenaline so high that you can you can hear your pulse in your yeah, body. Yeah, well, things slow down. Yeah. And aware, acutely aware of your senses. Yeah, yeah. And I could just hear, like, I could hear the heartbeat through my body. Like, I was just like, like, in my ears, in the bones of my ears and stuff. And I'm just like, paddling, 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 and then duck diving and just, you know, looking up and just seeing the lip just above my head and stuff and getting through it and then thinking, you know, this is pretty dangerous too to be. Like, it's, you're not safe even once you duck dive at Chopu, you know? Like, yeah. you can, um, 
what did that feel like? So it's obviously oh. like a ten foot minimum wave. Yeah, it was a ten foot. So thick so as hell. To be ducked up just under the lip. It's probably thrown twenty foot oh. towards me. It was yeah. the scare. Was, there's only one other moment that's been similar, and that was in Pipeline like three years ago. And similar kind of thing, just looking up at a north swell wave freak set just coming through, like oh, I might die here. This was similar, but the funny thing was, is that's the wave that Tyson just swung around on. Okay. And just gunned it, and then he got the cover shot of um, Riptide, I think it was, and Stu's was swimming and got it like uh, it was. I think Stu's got the sh- like a fisheye shot of like a massive Chopu wave, and Tyson's just locking into it. Yeah. And then all of these pro surfers, like half the lineup, just lost their boards, smashed to pieces because <laughs> they people just bailing and just like. Yeah, it really thinned out the crowd for a second, but it was just like that reminder of like, you know, these smaller waves and then the bigger waves out of Chopu, there are, there are distinct reefs that, that this breaks on and it's just like, it's such a gnarly place. Like, did, was that your, was that your last trip there or when, for that comp? 2001? No, 2003, when, oh, when no, Kingy no, won it or did you go since? Our, our boat trips, I think, yeah. Was that after oh, or before though? before, yeah. That was before. before. Yep. So that was your last trip there? Yep. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Do you miss it? Do you think about it often? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I think about it heaps. I think about, like, this is a lot um, similar with a lot of places I go to nowadays, is how much more uh, I look at other things besides the surf and yeah. the people and, my, and the, the actual bodyboard culture. I really yeah. look at, um, you know, the landscape and the colours and, and the vibe of the people and the whole yeah. the whole experience. I guess my, you know, my mind's so much more open and broad as I've gotten older yeah. and I, I, look as, I look forward as much to visiting places for that aspect as well as just the surfing, the feeling of the waves and, and the excitement of the, the sport and who's going to be there yeah. and stuff like that. Well that's something, that's a funny thing because that's definitely an experience I've had um, since going back to a few familiar stomping grounds, bodyboarding again, like particularly Hawaii, um, being able to go there and like re-experience it and, and really soak it up much better than what I ever did like I don't know maybe it definitely has something to do with old age and experience you know like you I know for me like back in um, back in like the early 2000s you know chasing dreams and trying to compete against all you blokes you know it was very competitive and very focused and very just like I need to get that one wave of pipe. I need to get that photo. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah, to get it's this. Like it's, a, it's a tunnel vision. Yeah, when it you're is. Younger, you know, it's it sucks. Very, you're very focused on what you're there for and um, what you're doing. And yeah. It just sort of narrows your perspective. It's a real shame, though, isn't it, that we do get that? <laughs> because like a lot of people haven't been lucky enough, I guess, maybe like you and I, and to, to be able to revisit places... And, and re-experience them like some yeah. people that is their only experience of that place like yeah, yeah, that's right. I know yeah. guys that still like their Hawaiian experiences have just been about that same experience that I originally had yeah and it's pretty lame like it's yeah, not yeah, that right. much fun it's like yeah, it's kind stressful, of stressful and, and it's, cra- it's crowded there's pressure totally. for you to perform and fulfill like sponsor obligations exactly. to, get, to get photos get videos exactly. and then you've got to compete against your friends which yeah. makes it awkward and atmosphere you've got to stay together exactly um yeah but uh yeah so, so you've revisited Hawaii in recent years yeah yeah like I've, I've had the good the good fortune to really like reinterpret it a bit and even to the extent that like last year instead of kind of staying on the north north shore like on the stretch there 
Um, you know, because you'd probably agree, most bodyboarders end up just focusing their time, or they used to just focus their time on pipe backdoor off the wall. Yeah. And then maybe some Kiki shore break to get you, you know, a few photos under your belt. But yeah. like, that was it, really. And then I actually stayed last time I was there in Haliever in the town. And like, way back, you know, hired a car and. You know, none of us hired cars back then, did we? Like, you know, that was like never happened. I remember a funny story on a bike with your brother. Do you remember that one? No, what's that one? <laughs> all right, so I'll tell it. Yeah, we, so it. we're all living on that uh, pipe to Kaiki stretch. Everyone's riding bikes around. It's yeah. a fun time. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Up to sixty Aussies. Yeah, staying at the more. Yeah, short, the locals just, loved it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's no reason to be poking boards at us or telling us to get our passports and get the fuck out. Exactly. Of here. But um, <laughs> so yeah, I, following a pipe check, I think I was riding back to my house in Kiki, and your brother Dan Kirkman had his big happy face riding the other way, <laughs> yeah. and we've kind of put a leg out towards each other sort of for like a little foot tap oh to go for a foot tap yeah yeah go for a foot tap <laughs> and um his foot has gone in my front wheel spot <laughs> so, so he's still traveling at a slow speed thinking we'll do a foot tap and then have a chat oh my god so his foot's gone in my front spoke and not not going fast enough that it's going to decapitate his foot <laughs> but fast enough that it stopped my bike and i've done a front flip over the handlebars oh onto my back <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he stopped and looked around and he's gone like at first oh shit are you alright and, and I was fine because I wasn't going too fast and, and made a nice cat leap and landed on the back and then we were just pissing ourselves laughing and someone else was there and, uh, it's just like yeah, pretty funny good. Hawaiian bike young, <laughs> that's pretty bike good. rider moment I was like I don't remember him breaking his foot in Hawaii uh, it was you that nearly broke your back that's yeah, cool yeah. yeah he must have felt great about that well, yeah I bet, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, but I mean, it's it's been a good place to revisit because like, even um, like, there's so many other waves too. Like I, I've just learned that you know, like you've got your you've got your pipe off the wall and back backdoor stuff, and like that's obviously where the real action does take place. But you know, geez, there's a whole stretch of like little passes and reefs that you know, like nobody's really filming there, but they're, they're surfable spots and there's some sick waves along there. Like if you just, if you just want to go and have fun and get some fun waves, like Hawaii's got a lot to offer. It's got way more to offer than what I think people realize. And, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the place now. It's and, so consistent and warm. It's like one of the oh, most historically rich places for bodyboarding. 100%, like, 100%. And, um, yeah, I'd love to, re- like, I, I know I'll revisit it like it's so good with the kids to too like yeah, like yeah. having kids I reckon it looks like a great spot to be like I got friends that live there full time now and like they got young kids and they're just having a ball you know like it's it's a really good place and yeah. you know and I even the last trip I was there I got to get a good session at Sandy Beach at like half point and, you know that was kind of special to be out of that wave like that was pretty fun like Pat Caldwell paddled out oh, and I'm like sick. I'm out at like half point Sandy Beach with Pat Caldwell I'm like this is and, and what's fucking touch cool. on the history there that he actually invented the role at that point exactly exactly that was that was where it was being really it spun out there that, yeah. like so it was super cool and I think at the time like Tanner and I went for a like a little bit of a strike mission there because the I think the wind and the swell yeah it was a massive like maybe it's like a swell so it's kind of enough swell to get into sandy's on the um on that lower east side and yeah it was sick it was a sick little pretty gnarly wave actually have you surfed that half yeah, point yeah, yeah, it, is, it yeah. can get you like yeah. it's 
they call it sashimi rock that last bit there <laughs> so it's like yeah but like really good experience and you know and then the other place that was really special that i think um I'm not sure if you've been there, but Makapu. Yep, yeah, I've been there. Man, like that is like history right there. Like that's that's such a cool spot. Like I think that's one of the coolest beaches, one of the most beautiful beaches I think I've seen. Just yeah, with that island say, off yeah, the background. Yeah. It's really like volcanic rock. Exactly. Really clear water, exactly. palm trees. And that's where I did uh, the podcast interview with Kainoa. And, you oh, know, cool. He was lifeguarding there, and then we're just sitting there together at this really historic place and. Yeah, so no, Hawaii's got a lot to offer and it's just funny to see just how few Aussies are there now, bodyboarding, like it's really empty, yeah. like there used to be, what, 60, 70 of us there yeah, yeah. at those that early 2000 time, Yeah. and now it's just like, it's really different, but yeah, it's kind of cool, but also just weird, like, yeah, kind of gnarly, but... On this, um, on this topic of kind of like surf spots and memories and whatnot, like, is there a spot above, like, we kind of referenced Tahiti, we referenced Hawaii, but is there a spot for you that's like the most special or like a place that you feel like you visited and you really would love to revisit it and reinterpret it and you haven't yeah, been there yet? Like, where's that? Yeah, my mind just went straight to Mexico. Mexico? Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, Why is that? Oh, I just love that place. Like, it's just... Offshore just about every day. Yeah. It's really consistent, really pumping waves, basically like pint that can handle up to 12 foot, yeah. 15 foot paddling. Totally. You know? And um, yeah, just love that culture. It's really uh, colourful place, it's always kind of sunny. Yeah. Um, and just the whole setup of the place where you, where you stay in front of, which is in front of the best peaks on the beach. It's yeah. Like really nice hotels which aren't that expensive, nice Mexican restaurants. Yeah. Yeah, there's nightlife there if that's if that tickets you fancy. Tra- other travelling people. It just seemed like a nice vibe. It is a good vibe, eh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Lots of travellers. I think that's a nice little aspect of it too. Like there's not it's not just like the North Shore of Hawaii where you're just surrounded by bodyboarders and surfers all trying to make a point or prove yeah. something. It's like there's backpackers just cruising through Porto Escondido who are just there for a great time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the fact the fact of sand, so yeah, you know, it's basically like park on sand when it's big and so you, it just has a bit extra as far as a forgiving factor. Right? Yeah. It's not, you don't have this volcanic rock underneath you. Yeah, people worry about it. You haven't died from the rock there. Yeah. yeah. But it's you know, it's basically nearly as powerful and you can really like push your ride in there and have a sick time. Yeah. No, it's definitely somewhere, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that the last time you might have visited there was when you, the IBA tour went there back in the day. Yep, yep the last time, yeah. You got a second there, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened in that final? Why didn't you win? Um, so, what, like, well, a couple of, couple of factors. I know just, I had a really good semi with Lawlands. Yeah. Was, the waves were still pumping, it was offshore. Uh, the waves are bombing through. There, there's a, a wave that's on YouTube on the IBA cliff that like a massive left that I pull into a yeah, race. Yeah. That was that was cool over. That was cool. So that wave I had to paddle my absolute ass off to get just to the spot where I had to take off. Yeah. So it like just demanded all my fitness to try and ride that wave and I got absolutely smoked. Yeah. Even though it looks, it looks on video like I might might have made it. Yeah, right. But um so and then you know my leash is stretched and I had to get the ski back out and I still had to get um, a good wave to be able to uh, get past Rollins in the end. Oh, yeah, right. So and then but the feeling of, of getting through that heat against a good mate like Rollins, pushing yeah. it in big, 
pumped in Mexico, which is basically my favourite place in the world. Like, I was so buzzing after that heat. Yeah. And um, so pumped up. And then we went to the final, and it got it went a bit, a bit cross short, I'm sure. Yeah. So the barrel factor went away. Uh, not, not that that deterred my determination, but... Um, it's a disadvantage when you got Jeff Hubbard in the yeah, final, it's exactly, right? Yeah, you totally. Know, like it's, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna, um, you're gonna have, a, you're gonna have to change your strategy. Yeah. So the strategy had to change basically to, to try and find air moves. Yeah. And, um, and and Jeff's obviously like just all over it when it comes to that. So he, you know he's just beating, especially once something went a little bit cross short. He's like, yeah. Oh, I know it's I know it's time for his, and um, yeah. he, he just found the ramp, the, the better ramps, and performed as he does, and, yeah, right. and took the win home. So yeah, I felt like. Yeah, probably need to switch focus a little more and be on the hunt for ramps. But yeah. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it is up to a little bit of luck as far as uh, where you place yourself in the lineup and if the waves that you need come your way and then yeah. you surf them to, to your potential. Yeah, yeah and, that, right. and that went Jeff's way that time. Yeah. yeah, no, but it's a good place. Like you, uh, like you've got the the barley bodyboarding stuff. So that when does that kick off again? That's pretty soon, right? Yeah, it kicks off first week of March. Yeah, right. So it's like real soon. Yeah. Um, you're pretty kind of stacked up over the months after that. Like, do you have a do you have a bit of a plan on a revisit tour of some of these places? Like, if if you are you know pretty keen on Mexico, like do you have like an idea of the future there? Like, like next yeah, five um, years, you reckon? Or yeah, well, it's kind of it's the kind of thing my mind where I'd, I'd love to you know I'd love to go back to Mexico I'd love to go to Hawaii yeah um, I'd love to go to Tahiti yeah. yeah all these places but um you know my, my family time is my priority so yeah. you know especially this year I'm going to be in Bali quite a lot without the family doing oh, okay. doing fly-in fly-out trips from New South Wales FIFO worker FIFO worker to, <laughs> up to Bali which is not too bad thing I feel pretty blessed that that as a FIFO job and so when I'm only home for three or four weeks, I, I don't even see myself traveling for a day or two at a time, if, if that. Yeah. You know? And um, yeah, I've got other things I'm focused on in that time between Bali camps. So yeah, I kind of I probably don't see myself traveling too much this yeah. year. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, I kind of more see possible family trips to these spots in the years to come. Yeah, I reckon. Where I can tie in a wave, but still be with my family and experiencing the world with, with the kids and with my wife. Well, I think Amori just did a really good example of that with one of his, like, it, last year he, he was on a really good trip, it seemed, like, mixing in coaching and family and surfing, and, like, he was just scoring everywhere, yeah. you know, like, Costa Rica, and he went to Porto, and, yeah, it seemed to really work out well for him. Yeah, I like that idea. Thanks, yeah. for, thanks for planning the season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I think that's awesome, that, that mission that Moss is on, you know, where he's just he is, yeah. traveling around and, and doing doing camps and uh, you know now he's doing like online videos with uh, his methods of coaching. How serious it's, yeah. is he? Eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is this like the coaching wars? Is there like uh, is this a battle? No, not not at all. It doesn't <laughs> feel like it. yeah, it's so different to to when we're competing. Yeah, and it's just your you know, personal glory and um, triumphs and yeah, contests. Yeah. This is more you know this is for the sport for the younger generations for any, for anyone in. In bodyboarding to um, have the opportunity to do a camp or yeah. to have access to coaching and, and become more stoked on your experience in the water. That's yeah. what it's all about. So I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm supporting him with sponsorship. I'm saying this is amazing. Every time he makes a little clip, I go, oh man, keep going. This is so yeah. sick. Like, nah, he's was, a great ambassador. Yeah. He yeah. does such a good job. Um, it's funny, this coaching discussion, I mean, the context of this drive right now into the storm 
that's now happening, which is probably fucking up all the audio, but that's all right. Um, we're going to do a coaching clinic tomorrow. Hopefully the weather allows us to do that. Hopefully the East Coast low that's just churning swell out everywhere is gonna let us do it. Um, I interviewed John Crookshank today, which I mentioned already, and we had a really big chat about the importance of coaching and, and like that's his kind of theory about how we actually grow the sport properly from the base. Yep. Like, when we spoke about uh, what you're doing with the coaching in the last kind of podcast we recorded, yep. you know, there was a lot about there, like, about you wanting to give something. Like, it was, it was, there was a lot about that. Like, this was important to you to, yeah. to maybe, whether you want to call it give or transfer knowledge or, you know, provide some stoke. All of the above. All of the above. <laughs> yeah. How do you, do you see it like John does, that it's like a... It's like it's this missing piece of our puzzle that we haven't prioritised for way too long. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I just see it, see it as a huge piece of the puzzle. Like, I remember back in 93 when I was an early teenager and Mike Stewart went around Australia and internationally as well, but definitely in Australia, he did coaching clinics with the Moray team, the board, yeah. the board company team that he was on at the time. Yeah. And that just attracted so many people, which which gave them so much stoke yeah. and uh, froth for the sport. And, yeah. Um, yeah, any time that a young, especially young people, uh, can, can connect with a, a, a role model or someone that's famous or someone that's, you know, just puts off this vibe of like how much they love the sport and, how, and they're at an elite, at an elite level, like yeah. that just amps up young people so much. And yeah. For sure, it can make such a positive impact and really, uh, like, attract yeah, a lot of kids and, and get involved in this sick thing which makes them stoked to mind. Why do you think we just kind of all, how did we trick ourselves into thinking it didn't matter for so long? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I think, yeah. I think um, we just went through a period where, you know, even the senior writers like, um, you know, Stuart and Tamaga and stuff like that were still of an age that they were, you know, very focused on competition yeah. and very focused on there was a huge focus. Yeah, we was with Tom Wilson as well. Um, yeah. Who yeah, recently passed away and was, was a, a legend of the sport as far as having foresight and vision of uh, what would make the sport uh, epic and, and showcase competitive. The best yeah, competitively yeah. epic. Yeah, and attract sure. the best riders in the world. Yeah, and, and so, he had very much achieved that. He really did. So I guess I guess at that point there was a, there was a lot of young people already in the sport. It kind of seemed like. Uh, yeah, it seemed like coaching didn't really, it wasn't really a, an important piece of the puzzle at that point. Yeah. It seemed like the more important piece was uh, the piece at the top of the triangle, the piece at the top of the pyramid, which yeah. was um, the pinnacle of the sport being what it was seen as from the public eye. From the so, mainstream eye, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that push, right? Eye, yeah. yeah. And so Tom's vision was, which was shared by Stuart and some of the top guys was to take the sport into extreme waves, into waves of consequence, like Park, Pipe, Shark Island, stuff so, like that. So, yeah. and, and so, you know, guys like Mark and Galumi were involved on the committees to, to make all that happen. So, yeah. you know, it just seemed like all the top guys, and especially the senior guys, the energy was going towards making this tour happen. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just so it just seemed like, but, you know, whereas nowadays in the last, decade where um, you know, the, world, the world tour after the IBA sort of went into a, a bit of a disarray I guess you could say. Um, that's one, that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and and just seeing a bit of a, a 
that's a bit of a, a like loss of numbers in, in the youth in the youth side and yeah. also guys in their 20s dropping out of it because opportunity was falling out yeah and so it's sort of brought it to the stage where it's like you know it, it's not really a career much of a career option as far as nah. the, the industry pie the amount of money available to sponsor people and the amount of money that brands are making is just that big at the moment yeah and so yeah it's, it's brought everyone back to basically the basics of the reason why we're why they're doing it in the first place yeah you know, it's just a lifestyle thing and it still has the option of competition and, and yeah. career yeah um, but yeah like Johnny's saying the building up of the base as far as bringing people into the sport especially young people and bringing people back to the sport like the BBC movement the vintage guys come back well yeah it. I think that's a really interesting play yeah um, um, for sure like to get people involved like that's that's definitely something special yeah it's just like okay well you know, this sports has kind of just been thrown and ripped around yeah. and now it's arrived at this place and it's so important that it, it um, strengthens at its foundation now which yeah. is uh, coaching, which is clubs, which is setting the sport up to connect people and uh, you know, just strengthen its, its heart really. Yeah. Like the, the reason why people do it, um, people of all ages and, and sort of creating a strong foundation to then build up to a, a pathway where people can possibly pursue pursue a professional. Yeah, and, and I mean on a personal level for you, like when what was the catalyst for you getting into the coaching originally? What's that story? Yeah, well, well, basically, you know, I was, I was flying high on a four-year contract with Billbong and Versus, where yeah. I was earning over a hundred thousand a year. Me and Rollins going, good old wicket. Yeah, you're right. I lost. <laughs> you know, like I had my estimates. <laughs> yeah, about no, that's about this, that. The, the, yeah, you call those the glory years. The glory years. Yeah. And, um, so that was basically uh, two thousand seven to two thousand eleven, or no, maybe two thousand eight to two thousand twelve. Yeah. And um, yeah, this this was so this was money basically come from Billbong, you know, a massive surf company. Yeah. And money come from Versus, which had a private investor at the time. Yeah. We saw value in the sport, and just saw value in the brand, and yeah. And you know, pumping money into me and Rawlins and Pierre, and pumping money into these riders, trying to to pump the sport up to attract more sales, basically. Yeah. And uh, you know, post GFs, because this we were sponsored through the GFC period, and you know, by the end of that period, where she had really hit the fan, and a lot of people. Um, and taking financial knocks. Yeah. And so kind of pretty much overnight my income halved. Oh, like when really? I so when I lost Bill Long and then uh, the versus money just wasn't there anymore. Yeah. And so I had to go um, shopping around like, uh, different bodyboard brands trying to get to see where I could get the best deal. Yeah. yeah. And then um, yeah thankfully the guys at Function supported me at that time and that was a, a real save, you know, if I if I didn't know uh, bought money at that stage. I had like you know, house mortgage and yeah. loans. I would have really been on the house. But yeah. yeah, the guys at Function um, came, came, gave me an opportunity. Which so basically my income was halved or less. Yeah. And so yeah, that had, that sent me uh, packing shelves of woolies at for night fuel and um, working That's for my brother like, overnight. Yeah, I yeah. became this like. But it's good that um, you had the ability to like muck in and get on with it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. an important character well, trait. I, I, had, I had kids at the time too, got so to do you it. Know, any, any dads would relate that when you've got kids and a mortgage, you've got mouths to feed, like your motivation to make money, that just becomes like real high priority. Great. And um, so, 
I think it was, it was already, no, it must have been that year actually that I started with Function, that was when I'd, uh, yeah, had the idea like, okay, yeah, I think, I think coaching is something I want to pursue. Okay. Not, not many other people, I think Hayden Bunting had been doing it on uh, the Central Coast, the Boogie Man. The Boogie Man, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. He, was, he was doing some cool things, taking some young guys on trips down the coast mostly and then that was really positive and he was, yeah. he's like a um, you know, friend and an idol of mine from since I was young. I've always like, looked up to him as, as a rider and yeah. the way he went about things and I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And um, and I started also getting work or there was potential to work as a surf coach in surf schools, you know, that was quite, it's been quite lucrative through that period, you know, through the noughties yeah, and yeah. 2010 onwards. So, so you were teaching surfing? Well, in the, yeah, as, as it's been over the last decade, you have to get a, a level one surf coaching course to become a stand up surf coach. Yeah. And that was how you could then go on to become a bodyboard coach and get, yeah. get insurance for your school and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, so that was it. That so it was a bit of long. financial, like serious financial pressure yep. coupled with a bit of inspiration from a person you used to look up to or probably still look up to and admire. Yep. And the rest is kind of history like I mean when did the barley bodyboarding bit come into the picture was that that's maybe a little bit later yeah, or? just just a year or maybe not even a year later so the, okay. I had the idea come along went and did a few of my courses um, so I, I did the level one surf coaching course I did surf rescue uh, first wow. aid so I had it all happening and then when I went up to holiday with in Bali with my wife Leah I uh, met it was, it was a small world story that one of my wife's best friends, um, her husband was best mates with Aiden, who's uh, uh, yeah. Bali, Bali bodyboarding. That's yeah. a, a long, a long connection there. But anyway, yeah. I, we met up with Aiden over in Bali while he was doing some coaching because yeah. he's, he's already had his school going for a few years. Yeah, and so he, he, we'd made contact, and he knew that I was getting my hours up for my coaching. Like you have to log a certain amount of hours. Yeah. So he invited me to come along and do a coach with a guy, and. Um, and, that, and we just hit it off, and I, and I was just loving it. You know, I just I was getting so amped, and so stoked, and so much reward from being in the water with a bodyboarder, and it came yeah. so naturally to to just be in the water and like um, get, get them stoked and give whatever tips they needed. Yeah. And then me and Chad, Aiden had a chat afterwards, and it was sort of his brainchild that we could spend time in Bali together. Yeah. And do these uh, camps where people would come and stay in a villa. We take them surfing for a week and coaching. Epic. And Leah and I, since we honeymooned in Bali in 04, had had the dream that we wanted to live in Bali. So yeah. it kind of all came together. And, oh, um, epic. Yeah, six years later, it's seven years later, it's going strong. It's like it's grown quite dramatically, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because so, it's a good chunk of the year that you're doing stuff. So it's early March until what September? Yeah, early, early March to October, which October. is. Um, Jeez. You know, like seven months now. And then in the beginning, it was only three months, and we. Some you know some camps be kind of half full, and it's interesting that in the beginning it was sort of it was more overseas people like yeah, clients right. that Aiden had coached with previously, and then as the years went on, and especially as um, uh, the vintage culture started, and old, uh, older guys of my age started yeah. getting back into it, and saw that as a, a week's holiday away from work or away from the family <laughs> or bring the family over and, and uh, spend time in Bali, and, and yeah. that just. Uh, yeah, those guys really had a good time and uh, sort of went from there. Epic. Well, I mean, I, I, we're, we're coming, we're kind of halfway through the trip. We're not going to do a two-hour podcast. We've got another hour to go. We're just cruising past Buller Dealer and we're on our way to Foster Tum Curry. And 
the plan is. We're going to hopefully, weather permitting and all many factors permitting, we're going to be able to get some kids in the water tomorrow with um, myself and Millie Chalker supporting Coach Hardballs here. I didn't tell you, but we've actually got a school visit in the morning too. We're going to go to a school, yes. have a bit of a yarn. I'm going to finish a little PowerPoint presentation tonight. It should be oh, fun. Yes. And, uh, yeah, well, thanks. I really appreciate you coming down. I, I, I guess I've learned in this podcast that your venturing away from the wife and kids is limited, so I feel very privileged to get you for two days. And um, hopefully we'll be able to get some good work done in the next two days. Yeah, for sure, man. I'd, I'd quickly like to plant the seed in, oh, yeah. on the, the coaching topic that yep. um, this year I'm going to be working closely with Surfing Australia yeah. developing a bodyboard coaching course because that's a real Epic. Uh, dream of mine um, that I'm going to spend a lot of time on this year is, okay. is creating a bodyboard coaching course to offer to, to clubs and to guys around Australia, uh, you know, potentially internationally as well, like create something, create a model yep. which uh, will you know, invite people to become qualified as a bodyboard coach with a real like you know, in-depth uh, coverage of knowledge, and you know, I just feel like I just want there to be no filter, you know. So yeah. I, I want all of my knowledge and everything that I have in my head, you know, to, to just put into a book, put it put it out there. Yeah. And, um, get people on the road to their own journeys of, of coaching because it's definitely been like one of the most rewarding uh, things that I've done in my, in my career. Definitely, you know, like getting yeah. in the water with people, giving back, getting that stoke. And uh, I just feel like, you know, I'm leaving my legacy behind that way. I'm leaving, yeah. leaving behind uh, my footprint on, on this sport that's given me everything. Yeah. Like. Well, it's also a legitimate business, too. Well, yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, apart from all like, the nice no, stuff, legit, like, it's actually a legit way to make money. Totally, yeah. yeah. Spot on. Just since since uh, the camps became the six months, like, that has been my main income to support my family for the last five, six years. So yeah, like, I think that's yeah. an important point because, like, I, I know that, like, back in the days, oh, wow, look at the flooding. Wow, there's been yeah. a lot of... A lot of that's rain. usually, like, half the width. Yeah. Um, when I um, was, like, in my early 20s and, like, competing and whatnot, there were... I was even coaching a couple of local kids, like, because their parents wanted them to learn from me and Foster. And, like, they wanted to... Like, they paid me money, and I was just like... Wow, that's weird. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it's like a weird, it's like it's such a weird experience. I think when you turn a passion into a way to earn money, like like yeah. like here's my time. I'm doing something I love, and you get a real, you do get such a kick out of seeing someone progress on a board and, and seeing them actually like adjust a small thing you tell them about, and then they go better, and you see them get happier and. It's this really positive oh, yeah. cycle, but in, in addition to that, it's like a legit way to make money. So yeah, that's really cool. What's the timeline on the um, Surfing Australia? Uh, it's sort of the goal is sort of by by the end of the year to have, have it finished, have, have it available. Wow, and um, you know, just really have it openly available so that cool. anyone that has a slight interest in pursuing it will know where to go, what to do, what qualifications to get, how much it's going to cost, um, who they're going to need to get assessed by in their state, in the area, by their club. You know, so it's really like a thing that will connect clubs uh, around Australia and uh, that, that really needs to happen to solidify that foundation of the sport. Yeah. Johnny Crookshank's words right there, like he's, yep. he said exactly the same thing an hour and a half ago. So he'll be very happy to listen to this podcast. Big shout out to him. All right, cool. I'm going to switch off. We're just going to cruise and like talk about heaps of other stuff, bitch about people for the rest <laughs> of the drive. All right, who's yeah. first? Okay, Damien King. <laughs>